Well, in light of the ladies' retreat, I thought I would take one of the ladies of the Bible and look at her character, look at her life, see her story, kind of like what we did with Nehemiah a couple of weeks, um, Naaman a couple of weeks ago, where we looked at his life and just kind of learned what we could learn from him. And so I thought it'd be fitting here on this weekend where we are kind of uh, setting aside some time for the ladies to consider some of the ladies in the Word of God. And I spent some time in uh, prayer and looked at different ladies in the Bible. I looked at uh, Esther and Mary Magdalene and uh, Lydia and Ruth and Jochebed and Eunice and I even asked some of the men. I asked them, "Hey, what what is your wife's favorite female Bible character?" Maybe I could uh, hit on uh, you know go into that and study that. And anyways, this morning uh, where I settled and what we're going to look at is a story of a lady that takes place in Joshua chapter number two. Joshua chapter number two. If you would turn in your Bibles there this morning to Joshua chapter number two. Well, you're turning there. Let me read for you the New Testament account of this lady's life. We are given in the New Testament account a picture, a description of both her failure and her faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 31, it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. By faith... This harlot came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And she didn't have to die. She didn't have to perish the way that all the rest of those in the city of Jericho did. Well, in Joshua chapter number 2, if you found that in the Word of God, say amen. Amen. We see verse number 1. The the entirety of this text is the story, and it goes on beyond this. So we're not going to read the whole thing this morning. But we see in verse number 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. This story, a a dramatic story of uh, espionage, uh, uh, of spying and and intrigue. And, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, sometimes, you know, the Bible's given a bad rap. And they said, you know, the Bible is boring and and it's not exciting. But there are uh, very exciting stories. And not only that, they're true stories. That's not just a uh, once upon a time story. These are stories, these are things that actually happened. And I'll tell you what, I, I would much rather a hundred times over a story that's true than a fictitious one. But uh, these these true stories in the Word of God, I want you to see this morning as we look at this story of, of Rahab and what happened in her life, and we glean for the Christian today some lessons that we can apply as well as the truth of what took place in her life. First of all, I want you to see the record of her failure we're going to look at this, the message title this morning is Rahab's Righteousness, but I want you to see the record of her failure. It is recorded for us in the Word of God in both of these passages that we've just read that this woman was known as a harlot. You know, I picture and think about the, the fact that perhaps as she was growing up, she dreamed about marrying, maybe, maybe she dreamed of marrying one of the generals of the army of the Canaanites and thought about how she would be part of the powerful people of society. 
Maybe she looked up on the hill and saw the big houses that were there. And as a young girl, she dreamed about the day that uh, one of the young boys would come down from those houses and and would see her and and find her attractive and, and sweep her off of her feet and they would live happily ever after. I don't know, I can't tell you exactly what her dreams as a young lady were, but I can be pretty sure this morning to say that her dream was not to be what she ended up. That it wasn't her dream to end up in this profession, this oldest profession known to man, this profession that was taking and abusing her life. I don't believe this was her dream. But can I remind you this morning that participation in sin, it'll always take you further than you want to go. It'll always cost you more than you want to pay and it's always going to keep you longer than you want to stay. I can guarantee you that in her life, this was not the direction that she planned on going. This was not what she thought she would end up doing. But as sin degrades the heart of man and and brings us down to a place where we look at and we say, man, I don't know how I ended up here. You know, sin will do that to you. Partaking of, participating in, and allowing your life to follow that path. It's always going to cost you. And we see such a clear picture here in this lady's life. You know, the life she was living was brutal. I I don't want to get into details, but you understand that the, the abuse that was typified by this kind of lifestyle. The demeaning nature of all the relationships she had. The lack of any respect from anybody, even in society. There's probably many nights that she cried herself to sleep. Broken. Over the life that she was living. You know, dear friend, it's noteworthy here that we might... As I pondered this and thought about it, I wondered, why did God record for us the fact? Not just once, but twice. He put it in his word. I mean, if you say Rahab, most people, when they say Rahab, they say Rahab the harlot. That's what she's known as. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, but God... We know from the story that we're going to read and continue on here, we know that she was forgiven. We know that she put her faith and trust in you. So why is it here we are all these thousands of years later still calling this lady a harlot? There's a couple of things that I want to share with you with regards to the truth of this. And first of all, beloved, I want you to understand that it is vitally important how we live. Because you are building a reputation. You are building something that you are known as. People will remember your character. People will remember how you are acting. People will remember what you do. All these years later, we still remember her as a harlot. Beloved, when you establish your reputation, it's hard to overcome it. Sometimes people get upset because of the reputation they have. 
I mean, they get mad at other people because somebody else might think that they're lazy. Well, if you don't want to be known as lazy, then work hard. I mean, that's not that hard to see the solution to that problem. Getting mad at somebody else for recognizing or observing the fact doesn't fix the problem. (laughs) You know, if you don't want to be known as somebody that's always late, then you'd be on time. But you understand our actions have consequences. And what we do and how we live, it does build a reputation. Could I ask you this morning, do you have a reputation of being generous, giving, or selfish? Do you have a reputation of being somebody that's easy to get along with or somebody that's very difficult to get along with? Do you have a reputation this morning of being somebody that loves God and wants to put God first or somebody that puts self first? What I'm saying is how we live. Here we are this many thousands of years later looking at this lady's life and her reputation stands. And I don't know the entirety of the reason. I believe I have another point here I'm going to get to in a second. But I believe God recorded this verse, first of all, for us to understand and realize it is important how we live. It is important the testimony that we have. We need to be careful and strive to live in a way that establishes and builds the right kind of reputation, one that brings honor and glory to God, first and foremost. Secondly, I wonder if you and I had the opportunity to go into the city of Jericho and save one person. If we could pick one person from the city of Jericho to save, who would you pick? You might go in and some people might think, well, I'm going to pick the king, the Canaanite king. I'm going I'm to save him. Or I'm going to pick uh, some prominent person of society. Or you know what? In that big of a city, they probably had some people that were very charitable. They probably had some people that were involved in some type of humanitarian aid and helped those that were less fortunate. And maybe I will save them. But I wonder how many of us would have picked this lady. And I think, secondly, possibly the reason that God recorded in in his word who this was is so that we would understand that the love of God reaches to the lowest. The love of God reaches down to the very lowest degree. To those whom society would neglect and forget, to those who would say, we would say, oh, they're not worthy of God's love. We have here a picture of the fact that God, in his mercy, sent somebody to this lady whom everybody else forgot about, but he didn't forget. God's love will reach the farthest down sinner. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, God's grace will reach you there. Man. What a testament to the love of our Savior. Doesn't matter this morning what the record of your failure is. It doesn't matter where you look at your life and you think, boy, I did this or I did that or I messed this up or, oh man, I sure fouled this all up. I want you to know God loves you this morning. And that God can help you come out of that. God can help you overcome it. He can bring about change in your life. 
I want you to see the record of her faith, but I want you also to see the reason for her faith. The reason for her faith. You see, she stood condemned. Rahab was a Canaanite in this city, the city of Jericho. This, the Canaanite people, they were known to worship many gods. They worshiped a lot of gods, probably all the gods that were known, except for the God of Israel. Except for the God of Abraham and Jacob. The Canaanites dwelt in this land. But you see, God had given instruction to the children of Israel when they come into the land to utterly destroy them. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse number 17, he says, But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. He says, when you come into the land, these are the people you're going to come up to, and it is my command to you to utterly destroy them. And I'm not 100% sure how, but the word of their arrival reached Jericho. The word of what was supposed to happen had reached Jericho. She and everyone else in the city had begun to live in fear. They knew what was happening. They had shut up the city tight. They had, they had locked the gates. They, they posted guards around the wall and looking down on the oncoming group of Israelites. The generals probably met with the king on an on a hourly basis updating him as to the status of this encroaching army. What are we doing to defend the city? The planning went out. I can imagine the threat level was raised to red. They were probably living in fear. You see, they had known that God and his people were coming. The power of God was something that they had seen on display. And they knew his wrath was coming their way. You see, beloved, there no man yet has cried out for salvation until they realized they needed a Savior. That is the place that somebody has to get to first where they realize that there's a need for a Savior. Nobody uh, just swimming in the water calls out for a life preserver or calls out for somebody to save them unless they start to feel like they're going to drown, like they don't have any means to save themselves. Then they call out, help, help, I'm drowning. I can imagine Rahab and the people of this city felt that. We see that in verses 9 through 11. Would you look in chapter number 2 there? Look down at verse number 9 and hear the description that she gives as these men had come to her house. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Listen to this last phrase here. He says, for the Lord your God, he is God. 
in heaven above and in earth beneath. Beloved, the testimony of the Lord had gone before them. She had seen the working of God and what God could do and his testimony of what he had promised and what he said was going to come to pass had reached their ears and they stood there in this great city under great fear. It says every, there wasn't courage in the heart of one man. What I'm saying is that she felt the weight of the condemnation that was on her. So she was looking for a savior. She was looking for a way to meet and to know this God. She had recognized that he is God in heaven above and in earth. The testimony of the Lord had reached their heart. It had convicted them and faith was born. Beloved, you and I, we have the testimony of the Lord. We have in this book, according to Psalms 19, verse number 7, says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We have the testimony of the Lord. The question this morning is, has the testimony of the Lord reached your heart? Has the testimony of the power of God and his ability to save The the fact that man in their sin are under condemnation, has the truth of the word of God reached your heart? Have you understood that truth and realized it and see your need of a Savior this morning? You see, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, she had heard the testimony of the Lord and she began to have faith in God. The God she had never known before. But she saw and understood the power that he had. When you get into the word of God, you begin to have faith in the God of the word. If you're struggling with your faith this morning, let me tell you, get in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Saturate your heart and mind with the scriptures. And it will strengthen your faith because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing By the word of God. Spend time in his word. Not only did she stand. Condemned. As a Canaanite. But I want you to know this morning. That she stood. Chosen. That she stood chosen. You see beloved. It's amazing. On the city, these from God, from the children of Israel, it's amazing that they ended up by chance at this lady's house. Right? It's just a chance. No. You see, God leads in the affairs of men. And here was a lady who in her heart began to look for God. 
She saw the testimony of the Lord. She heard the truth of what God was doing. She had come to the realization that all the gods she'd been serving all her life, they were nothing but wood and sticks and hay and stubble, and there was nothing in there at all. And she realized that God, whoever it was, she didn't know him, didn't know how to meet him, didn't understand it, but she knew whatever God they were serving was the God of heaven and the God of earth, and she was ready to put her faith and trust in that God. And so when she was ready, God said, Hey, spies, out of all the houses in the city, out of all the places you could run and hide, out of all the places I might send you for safety, I've got something I need you to do. I need you to go over here and meet this lady named Ruth. Not Ruth, you guys. And I was on a roll. Hallelujah. I was winding it up, getting ready, and oh, just lost it all. Hallelujah. What's her name? (laughs) Rahab. Hallelujah. Well, at least you guys know what we're talking about. There's somebody that needs Jesus. You see, God, I want to tell you this morning that in the way that all men are chosen, God said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If anybody in their heart is looking for the God of heaven, they're ready to get rid of and let go of everything they've held on to before. They're ready to turn wholeheartedly, lock, stock, and barrel to the God in heaven. God will send you somebody. God will send you a messenger. God will send you a spy. God will send you somebody with the word of God that can share the truth of God to point you to the God of heaven and the God of earth. It's not by happenstance. She was chosen. The love of God sent these men there to reach her specifically because she was ready. To give it to them. She was ready. To turn to the Savior. What an amazing truth. The moment she declared the fact that. It was God in heaven. That faith in her heart. Putting her trust in him. Can I tell you this morning. The results of her faith. I want you to see this woman who was condemned, who, like the rest of her city, would have been utterly destroyed, had faith, and it changed her. You see, the moment they came, you know, you read the story here, and, and spies, I mean, this, the, the king sent some men to the doors of her, of her house and said, hey, give us the men that came to your house. And she's like, um... What men? She's like, actually, there were some men here, but they ran to get out of the city. You better go quick. You might catch them. She, what I'm saying is she put everything on the line for them. She gave it all. She wasn't holding anything back. And when you come to Christ, beloved, you got to be willing and ready to just turn it all over to him. You can't keep one foot over here and one foot on Christ and say, oh, I'm going to still work real good and I'm going to be as good as I can be and, and maybe I'll get to heaven this way. But if I don't get to heaven this way and don't get forgiven this way, then I'll, I'll get it through Jesus Christ. And I can't help but give you the illustration. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get on a plane, going to fly to Chicago. 
Let's say I didn't have enough faith in that plane, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to leave one car in a, one, one leg in a rental car, and I'm going to leave one leg in the plane. That way, surely I'll get there one way or the other. That doesn't work, does it? No, you've got to put your full, complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's what she did. Beloved, the results of her faith is I want you to see, see that she was a changed woman. She changed her allegiances. Look at verse number 4. Verse number 4 says, And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Verse number 5 says, And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. She says to these men that came and asked, she says, hey, I don't know where they are. You see, she changed her allegiance. A week before had a spy come to her home, before faith began to be born in her heart, before she put her trust in, in God, the God of heaven, she would have turned these guys in in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, they're right here. These spies that are trying to do. No, she changed her allegiance. Love it when you come to Christ, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, your allegiance changes. That which you held to, you let go of. That which you were looking for, for, for safety and protection and, and help, you know. I mean, I know I'm going to be stepping on some toes here, but I want you to understand, if you wear a rabbit's foot, <laughs> the rabbit's foot is not going to save you. Okay, if this is what you're holding on to, to, to get you home safely, this rabbit's foot. You see, we, we put our faith and trust in the God of heaven. And if your allegiance is to something hanging in your car, a little statue you have in your front yard, a, a, a trinket of some kind that was handed down from a, from a parent or an ancestor, you see, her allegiance changed. She realized that it was the God of heaven and him alone. And when you get gloriously saved, your allegiance changes. There is a great change. It's amazing this morning in our song service, we sang the song, Things Are Different Now. Things are different now. Something's happened to me. When I gave my heart to Jesus, things are different now. I was changed. It must be when I gave my heart to him. Things I loved before have passed away and things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Are things different for you? The results of the faith that she had in her heart as her allegiance changed. I want you to see as well as her attitude changed. Look at verses 12 and 13. In verse 12 and 13, she says, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. And give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have. And deliver our lives from death. She says, and deliver our lives from death. You see the compassion that she has here? 
the concern for others, the change that takes place in the heart of one who's put their faith and trust in Christ is you begin to be concerned for others. I have seen it many times over and over. Uh, Someone comes to Christ most recently, and the most dramatic and powerful testimony of that would be Nitin, who came to Christ and put his faith and trust in Christ, and his wife and son did as well. But immediately he began to say, there are many people I know, my mom and dad and my brothers and uncles and aunts and people I worked for in India and my boss. And and he, he came to me and he was telling me, he was shocked that people didn't want to hear the truth. He said, I I didn't understand. He says, I went to tell them that, no, 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 it's not about going to church. It's about Jesus. And I tried to tell them, and and they didn't want to hear it. They got mad at me. He couldn't believe it. He says, why would they get mad at me? I'm just sharing the truth. But that's the heart of one that comes to Christ. They begin to desire to bring others to Christ. That's what we're called to do, but it's not just we're called to do, beloved. When you have the, the, the antidote, when you have the, the message, you want other people to be saved as well. She wasn't going to stay in her house all by herself and let her mom and dad be destroyed, utterly destroyed like everybody else in the city. She wasn't going to let her brothers be utterly destroyed. She said, there's people here I care about. And I want to reach them and bring them in. You know, when she went to talk to them, all they had was her word. And all she had was their word. What we have is the word of God. But she went to them and says, you know what? The city is going to be destroyed. But I have it on good authority that if you're in my house and we hang this scarlet rope on the window, we'll be saved. What if her father would have said, those guys were just lying to you just to get out of the city. That was just, that isn't happening. I don't believe it. What would have happened? They would have been destroyed. And there are many, many people that reject the very simple gift of God's love because it's too easy. They're like, oh, I don't believe it. That's what God said? Oh, that's too simple. There's got to be more to it than that. And they reject the word of God. And what he said we have to do to have our sins forgiven. It's amazing. She just told them and They believed. They came to the house. But she had compassion for others. Her attitude changed. And Christian, has your attitude changed? Do you have compassion for the lost? Do you have a heart for others? Not only did her allegiance change and her attitude change, but her actions changed. It's not just enough to just talk about it. We've got to do something about it. Look at verse number 15 and 16. She says there, Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the tower wall. And she dwelt upon the wall, and she said unto them, Get ye to the mountain, lest the pursuer meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. You see, 
she didn't just say she would do something. She changed. There was a great change in her attitude and her allegiance and her actions. The things she used to do, she didn't do them anymore. The places she used to go, she didn't go there anymore. The things she used to say, she didn't say them anymore. Because there's been a great change since I've been born again. Beloved, there's supposed to be a great change. It should be a change that is it's something that happens from the inside out. Now, I'm not saying that after you come to Christ that all of a sudden everything you've ever struggled with is going to be gone. That you're no longer, because we still have this old flesh and Satan is still real. But I want you to understand the desire to change comes from the inside. And I have seen it over and over and over again in my life, people that came to Christ and immediately... I'm not talking about six or eight months or a year or two later when they get around to it. Immediately, things change. Their desire changes. All of a sudden, they want to be in the Word of God. They want to be around God's people. They wouldn't think of missing God's house. They, they want to hear any instruction they can get. They enjoy singing praises to heaven. They want to get around the, the family of God. And they just, they just desire to tell people about the salvation that they have. And everything in their life begins to change. When somebody says that they came to Christ, but there is no change. I think what they were wanting is fire insurance. I mean, no, nobody here wants to go to hell. That, that's, it's not very hard to convince somebody uh, the opportunity to get out of hell. But listen, the reason that somebody would go to hell is because their sins haven't been forgiven. And if we're going to have our sins forgiven, we have to realize we're a sinner. We've got to admit that. And we've got to repent of that before God. But when we do that and realize that God forgave us of everything, it brings about change in our lives. It brings about great change. Her actions spoke to the change that was in her heart. We see the courage that this lady had to do right. Imagine how she put her life at risk. Lying to these men that came to her door and searching for these spies. She put her life at risk, lowering these guys. What if somebody would have seen? She had great courage. You know, men are supposed to be the strong ones. Men are supposed to be the leaders But you know, many times it's the ladies that are in our lives that are the strongest spiritually. Listen, men, if you have a lady in your life that is strong spiritually, praise God for her. Praise God for her. I don't know why it is, but many times it's the ladies who are saying, hey, this is what's right. This is what we need to do. 
It's the ladies that are kind of dragging the family to church. It's the ladies that are getting the Bible out and reading the scriptures. It's the ladies that are calling for, hey, let's, let's pray over this meal. Let's pray together as a family. It's the ladies that are calling for more spirituality. And listen, men, if you have a lady in your life like that, don't discourage her. Encourage her because she might be all that's standing between you and the judgment of God. Praise God for the courage that ladies have to do right. To stand up and do what they know they should do. We're just about done. But I can't finish without showing you this last thing, and that is that she had a changed end. You got to turn to Joshua chapter 6 for this. Turn over to Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 22 through 24. But the end result was changed for her. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 to 24, it says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the women and all that she hath, and ye, as ye swear unto her. And the young men and the spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred, And left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire. And all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. The city was burnt with fire. The city was utterly destroyed. Everybody was utterly destroyed. But here this woman and her family, those that were in the house, were saved. What a picture of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. She was able to bring her father and mother and brethren. You know, when she went to talk to them, I can't, I can't imagine. She told them, hey, if all we do is hang this red scarlet here out the window, we'll be saved. Do you know, I don't think she would have traded that red scarlet for all the money in Jericho. She could have auctioned that off, huh? But what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? She could have had all the money and it wouldn't have mattered because she was going to die. What an amazing picture here. If you think about it, you see that she was put outside the city city of Israel where they went in to Jericho and conquered it. She was given a chance for a new home and a new life. Can I apply this to the Christian? I want you to see about the fact that one day, everything in this world is going to burn up. The Bible says it's going to burn with a fervent heat. It's going to burn up. It's going to be gone. But we have a chance for a new home. Because... He's gone to prepare a place for you. Amen? Amen. Men who believe the message of God, the testimony of God, and have put their faith and trust in Him. This morning, can I ask, are you thankful that you have a loving God who has the ability to save even to the vilest of sinners? Rahab went... From an harlot to holy because of the love of God.